1: Bicycle rider, bicycle rider. Bike ride on the other bike ride. Bike ride on the other bike ride. And good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital. And thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and uh, this is a show about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. And on today's show, I'm going to be speaking to Janenka Brooke about uh, Recent um, recommendations from the Economic and Infrastructure Committee at uh, the Victorian Government, State Government, about minimum passing distances. I'm going to be touching base a little bit about uh, upcoming council elections and some local bicycle news. Hello, Janenka. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hang on, I'll just make sure I've got the right mic on. Try that again. Good morning. Excellent. So, um, lovely start to the day. And uh, being uh, Melbourne, typical spring Melbourne, whether it's going to go weird by possibly by commute time, I think.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: just <looking at> the... <laughs> Thank you for coming in today. It's great when we get a um, studio guest because, you know, you're sitting here going, I'd love some company. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me in. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking a bit about uh, some um, reservations you have about... Uh, Those recent findings that came out, I mean, this process has been going on for a few years Mm. in terms of the minimum pass and distance stuff in Victoria, but uh, you have a particular take on it after, you know, there was um, a public um, inquiry and people put in submissions and then the recommendations have come back and been made public. Don't want to pre the interview too much, but Mm. uh, just touch base a bit about what your, you know, overview feelings of this are so far.
0: Well I guess firstly to give you a little bit of um, background on why I'm even interested in this as well is um, I'm, I'm just a commuting cyclist just like a lot of other people um, in Melbourne I suppose. Um, so my interest in this just came about because I had a couple of experiences over the last sort of three years that I've been regularly commuting by bicycle um, and I found that um, whenever I had tried to do anything about close passes or you know go to the police and get some help or anything like that Um, even with video evidence from um, a front and a rear camera on my bike I was never able to actually get any kind of support under the existing rules so um, after one particularly bad incident um, back in March um, which actually happened just before the parliamentary inquiry started. So it was sort of good timing in a way that I had a particularly scary incident and I just thought, well, I really need to actually do something about this. Um, so the parliamentary inquiry um, asked for submissions back in April and I put in a submission um, based on my experiences and, and in particular the most recent one that I had had at that time. Um and from there, I guess it's just been really interesting to follow the whole parliamentary inquiry process. So, this has been a learning process for me as well. It's the first time I've got involved in something of this nature. So, um, I was quite vocal at the start when also Bicycle Network put in a submission that I had some concerns with about exemptions to the, to the proposed minimum distance rules. I guess I feel that any exemptions to a rule like this basically undermine the whole principle of it, which is that you should never be getting that close to somebody on a bicycle because um, when riding your bike, you always need a little bit of a buffer zone. You know, you might need to swerve around a pothole. You might lose your balance a little for some reason. There's just never any reason to uh, get particularly close to someone on a bike. So um, I put in my submission to the parliamentary inquiry and then I've followed it quite closely from, from then till now. Um, and it's been interesting sitting in on the public, um, inquiry hearings as well and hearing the different viewpoints put forward by the committee members. Um, there, there were obviously a couple of people in that room who weren't particularly fond of cyclists. So it was, uh, fascinating to watch the dynamics in that room, um, And through that process, I heard them speak about things like maybe we should not be allowed to ride to a breast and maybe we should do other things that limit um, the benefits of this rule for cyclists. So I tried to raise a bit of awareness during that process um, and that's why I sort of started my little blog, um, Melbourne Commuter, which has, again, been a learning process for me. Um, So, you know, I've tried to um, raise the committee's awareness through that open process um, about things like why cyclists do choose to ride to abreast and um, I do feel that the the committee listened to you know some of the feedback that they were getting through that process but in this final report um, I guess let me be clear up front that the the report is overall very good it, it's, yeah. it's good that they're recommending to pass the legislation in principle so that's a win I suppose but my concern is that as soon as you put forward um, anything that has an exemption or a trade-off in it, that you're weakening the message. You,
1: you start to nullify the actual reasons for, for the inquiry and the, mm. and the proposed legislation. And this is actually a very inter- interesting intersection we've got here between the recommendations that come out. Now we've almost got like a window of opportunity mm. to correct some misinformation or some... I mean, it's interesting to go into you sitting there and actually seeing, perceiving people's attitudes. Mm. Um, it's it's yeah. You know, this is something we constantly get hammered with within you know if you're involved with cycling issues and you watch people who okay you don't have to be an expert on anything but there's people who think they're instant experts who mm. can therefore uh, you know they're not subject matter expert but they can uh, bring forth an opinion which can be made law and it's be made bad law by because of their own prejudicial attitudes. And this is mm. something that's got to stop. Mm. We, we're better than this. That's
0: right. And I think in these sorts of scenarios that the real problem is that there's people making these recommendations and making legislation who don't have first hand experience with the real issues. So if you're not somebody who rides regularly, you don't ride on the roads, you don't ride in traffic, you're not actually very well placed to make Recommendations about what is or is not safe, which I guess is the whole point for a public inquiry, right? Yeah, You're meant to, you meant to you, invite that input from people who do know. So my concern is that in some of these cases, it feels as though the committee perhaps didn't listen closely enough. And you know, one example of that is the um, the writing to a breast issue, which was raised a lot during the, the public hearings um, by a couple of the committee members in particular, and. Look, a lot of these sorts of discussions are really founded on hyperbole, you know? Precisely, yes. We're going to be stuck behind a cyclist for half an hour without the ability to pass them. Well, mm. when does that actually happen? And that that's, again, I think coming back to what's the evidence for these things? So, you know, in an ideal world, all our policies and laws would be evidence-based, right? So, um, unfortunately, I think some of these recommendations don't have any actual evidence to support them. And you can see that in some of the, again, hyperbole that's been put forward um, around uh, Section 3 in this report where they're talking about the potential problems at intersections and they, they go on to talk about a theoretical possibility where um, oh, cars could be stuck at an intersection for more than one whole light cycle, unable oh. to move because of all the bicycles.
1: And oh, it, look, it's just—it's just silly, really. Yeah, this—it this sounds like talkback radio. Where, it does. Where it becomes someone's individual perception be- becomes a universal reality or u- a universal perception mm. and it's, it's quite dangerous stuff. It is yeah and, and the real trouble with that is that all this hyperbole
0: about motorists being held up or you know inconvenienced in some way it shifts the conversation from safety to convenience and um, in my view it's just not right to be weighing up safety versus convenience as though they have equal weight because they don't. Um, and I think, you know, some of these recommendations, so recommendation three, recommendation five and recommendation six in the report, um, are examples where the notion of motorist convenience has started to outweigh the need for cyclist safety and, and really that's the crux of my concerns with this. Yes, yes. So, you know, if you look at um, recommendation three, which is about this theoretical problem of, of motorists being stuck at an intersection, um, And they talk about, firstly, bicycle lights. Well, bicycle lights are designed for bicycle riders to be able to go through an intersection first to get them out of harm's way. But in this report, they talk about it as though they should be used to let motorists through first, uh, which, again, is uh, convenience over safety. And they talk about perhaps making a cyclist veer left through an intersection to make room for cars to pass, which goes against fundamental safe cycling principles of holding a steady line, a steady and predictable line, Um, to keep yourself safe. And then they talk about perhaps having an exemption to the minimum passing distance through an intersection. When an intersection is, you know, widely recognised to be one of the most dangerous places on the road, so why add danger to it? It just makes no sense. So
1: so feasibly we could have recommendations actually make intersections even more dangerous? Correct, yes. That is... Uh, lack of critical thinking and correct processes there, isn't it? Regardless yeah. of whether someone is prejudicial towards a mode of transport, it's, they seriously haven't got their first principles little thinking helmet on, have they?
0: That, that's <laughs> right. And it goes against a lot of existing road safety principles. Oh. So it's just nonsensical. Yeah. And the recommendation five and six, which talk about um, riding to abreast. breast, um, I guess, firstly, recommendation six I'll tackle first, which is mm. um, suggesting that we should... Um, have some roads at some times in some circumstances where we should put signs up to say we recommend cyclists ride single file. Now, the two abreast issue is is an interesting one because as a cyclist, I don't want to get in people's way. I ride two abreast where it actually makes sense for my own safety, and where it makes sense, I will ride single file and I will let traffic through. But the key for me in riding to a is that it's up to the cyclist's discretion because the cyclist is in the position to be able to see the full set of circumstances in front of them. They can see if there's potholes and things. They can see you know, the behaviour of the traffic around them. They can see what's coming up ahead. And as soon as you take the decision-making power away from that individual in in the specific circumstances, and you take that decision-making and and put it in the hands of a bureaucrat who makes a blanket rule about this road at this time, you're taking the ability away from the cyclist to make real-time decisions about their own safety, and that's extremely dangerous. And I think that in combination with uh, recommendation five, which is about a communications campaign, it's sending the wrong message to motorists. So I think a, commu- a communications campaign that reminds motorists that cyclists are entitled to ride to a breast is a good thing because a lot of people don't seem to understand that. But as soon as you take the other side of that recommendation and say um, that we should be communicating to cyclists to show courtesy to drivers behind them, it's sending absolutely the wrong message because Jeez. what is Courtesy. Courtesy is a, a notion that exists in an individual's mind. And what is courteous to the driver behind me? Well, how am I to, how am
1: I to know if that? T- oh, yes, the, the the warning toot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. such a, you know, oh, I'm just letting you know I'm here. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, you scared the, you know. Yeah, uh, And th- <laughs> that's right. These things were not going to too much detail, but I'm keeping my uh, remarks generalised. Mm. Uh, Bicycles for transport. We've been subject to so many experimental things mm. over last twenty years, if not going back more. Of like, we just don't know how to deal with you. So the outgroup will be will take uh, the rap for um, our lack of knowledge or lack of clarity on thinking on this issue. Mm. And it's just something that we've got to move beyond in terms of uh, getting onto hi- road hierarchies and actually sharing of space. Mm. What's actually occurring with this? these recommendations is they're, um, again, as we mentioned earlier, they're using their own prejudicial or lack of knowledge to enact something they're not even clear about or have any clarity about what is going to ha- actually happen in real life. Now, you get into complex law cases and what do you ha- do when you have a judge, jury and a complex issues? they bring in. Expert witnesses. So, what gives the? Uh, I'm not meaning to criticise particular members. We're keeping this um, general of the, you know, economic and infrastructure committee. But what gives them carte blanche to go? My perception is reality without actually listening to, you know, like an expert witness or real life, you know, thing or empirical evidence. Mm-hmm and um, therefore extrapolating out what's actually going to happen in real life. This mm. is a real issue when it comes to cycling issues across Australia because, again, we're, we're used a lot as some type of experimental thing mm. and without real um, analysis of what, um, or, you know, what, what's going to be the legacy of this, some pretty bad legislation.
0: Yeah, that's right. Look, I think the, the theme that comes through to me from these couple of recommendations is trying to find ways to tell cyclists to get out of the way. That's it, precisely. Yeah, and I think that that's where we have a real problem, that that's the opposite of the message that we need to be giving to motorists.
1: Yep. I'm just going to take a quick break and I'll be back in a moment.
0: On Sunday, the 9th of October,
1: 3CR opens its doors
0: to the community and invites you to come in and celebrate 40 years of radical radio.
1: There'll be an awesome afternoon tea, roving musicians,
0: special on-air broadcasts, and the opportunity to step into the studio and get behind the mic. There'll also be face painting for the kids, stalls, rolling station tours, and the chance to purchase for the first time 3CR 40th birthday T-shirt.
1: Come in and enjoy your community radio station. 3CR Open Day, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sunday the 9th of October, 12 to 4pm. See you all there, And you're back listening to Yarra Bosco User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital. And in the studio today, I'm speaking to Jananka Brooke about minimum passing distance legislation proposed for Victoria and uh, recent recommendations from the uh, Economic and Infrastructure Committee, if I've got the words around the right way, from the uh, state government. Now, just a little bit, I touched upon this about on the last show I was on a fortnight ago, but in the UK, undercover bike cops are launching a uh, best ever cycle safety scheme in Birmingham, and this is to do with the West Midlands Police, where... They actually get out there, either in um, a mark, uh, unmarked police car or marked police car, and a cyclist up ahead, and um, monitor what motorists do to you know to that cyclist, which invariably ends up being a uh, West Midlands police traffic officer in plain clothes. So, um, so they have a colleague in a police car is waiting to pull over drivers that give him less than one point five when meters when overtaking, and that distance increases for faster speeds and larger vehicles. And um, when they pull over particular drivers who may be uh, impinging upon... the cyclist space that that driver will be offered a choice prosecution or 15 minutes education on how to overtake a cyclist safely the worst drivers or report repeat offenders will be simply will be prosecuted and as i mentioned before this tactic is part of a groundbreaking new initiative launched by west midlands police in partnership with birmingham city council to tackle cyclist safety and i think on the last uh, um podcast link, I uh, linked to the actual blog of their um, traffic management um, unit within the West Midlands Police and why they came to these decisions, a quite lengthy um, discussion of that. Janenka So I think um, that's a really great example of some
0: proactive policing, which it would be wonderful to see happening here in Australia as well. Um So I think I touched on before that my personal experiences with these sorts of issues with the police haven't been particularly helpful. Um, But I think this is one area where the committee's report um, got things pretty right. So if you look at Recommendation 12 and Recommendation 13, they're talking about um, having a training program for police designed to ensure that they understand the reasons for the rules and to encourage empathy with cyclists and to provide them with guidance. Um, And they also talk in Recommendation 13 about having a look at what technological solutions there are to help in the enforcement of this. And we know that there are um, police, I think, in Canada also using a device that is mounted on the policeman's handlebars to measure the distance. So I think that, um, you know, looking to examples like this um, West Midlands policing one, um, there's a huge opportunity for our police to turn around – The um, public engagement with the cycling community, which I think it's fair to say has been a little bit negative and tense um, historically. So, you know, I think um, through this whole process, it
1: would be great if the Victoria Police could sort of get on board. Mm. To quote uh, Duncan Dollymore, Cycling News case, senior road safety and legal campaigner, Uh, he praised the initiative and his quotation is, this is the first time a police force has come forward with a plan to prioritise enforcement against close pass drivers. It is quite simply the best cycling, uh, start that again, Chris, it is quite simply the best cyclist safety initiative by any police force ever. Okay, that's his perception, but um, it's a template Mm. Someone's gone off and done it, so Victoria Police have um, and a few other uh, stakeholders in this space have uh, got to have a open their eyes and have a bit of a look at what's going on.
0: That's right. I think it's clear to say that um, it's no longer all right to just say it's not possible or it's too hard because others have done it. So,
1: well, again, uh, across Victoria, uh, across Australia, how many other states have we now got? They've got uh, some form of minimum passing distance. Well,
0: yeah, so you've got Queensland, um, New South Wales, um, South Australia and then Tasmania
1: has um, made some changes to their laws as well, yeah. But the problematic thing is we don't want like what's happened in New South Wales. Correct. We've touched base upon this a few times on the show. I've had Dave Abrella from Bike Sydney on the show about uh, problematic stuff that brought in to do with, okay, you've got close passing but you're also going to have to be, you know, but you're also going to have to carry ID on the bike, Mm. which is, as I said when I first heard it last year, which is basically rego by stealth. There's already existing legal requirements how you prove your existence and or identity to the police. There's no need for this sort of punitive...
0: Yeah, that's right. And and I guess luckily for us in Victoria, that sort of recommendation didn't come through in this report. Yes. Um, However, things like the recommendations for cyclists to ride single file does open the door for police to be targeting those sorts of behaviours by cyclists instead of targeting the close passing by motorists.
1: So what would be the the way to move forward on this to get either feedback, input, um, how to, you know, to correct some of these incorrect recommendations? Yeah,
0: so um, I actually met with someone from Samantha Dunn's office on Friday last week to discuss next steps and what can we do. Um, and I think uh, there's a couple of things I'll call out from that. Firstly is the timing of things for this, that um, the Greens only get a couple of opportunities in the next six months or so to actually put a bill before Parliament. Um, this particular bill isn't first on on that list so it's probably going to end up in front of parliament during autumn I'm told so that could be six months away so that does give us some time to put some pressure on um, our own local MPs and to help um, in some way with with what the Greens are trying to do so I guess um, from my point of view um, I'm going to be working as closely as I can with Samantha Dunn and her office um, to figure out a bit of a strategy for putting pressure on the right people Um, I believe that that will entail a few things. So um, we've got our local council um, elections coming up during October. So I think one thing we can start with is writing to our local council um, nominees um, for that election and, you know, putting a bit of pressure on, on our local councils to support cycling initiatives and those sorts of things?
1: Yeah, so if people want to find those details, they can go to vec.vic.gov.au and look at their particular council and look at the candidates. Most of them do have contact details. Uh, I'll I'll quickly mention this now, that um, from Yarrabug's perspective, we're going to be putting a questionnaire to candidates. And just quickly also mention that uh, in the city of Yarra, uh, We've had some problematic issues over the last four years. With you know, we have seen to be the you know, one of the most proactive councils or whatever in Australia, and it should be something that council should be celebrating and working towards. But we've seen some rather retrogressive things happen. Um, we've got a, a fairly good spread of candidates coming up. But I just want to touch base that the Australian Cyclist Party have actually put fielded a candidate uh, in. Which one have we got? Is it? I've got to get this correct if I'm going to say this on. Air. Is it Melbourne or Nichols? It's Nichols Ward, and Troy Parsons is standing in that ward. So, um, and there's if you want to look that up, go to, as I said to Vicky and look at all the things. But there will be um, quite shortly a candidate thing going out to question. You know, mm-hmm. to ask. But, but very good point. Um, some councils have a postal vote. Some councils have vote on the day. But it's worth looking this up and asking.
0: Yeah. So my plan is to reach out in particular to the Greens candidates in my local council area, which is Moreland, um, to start that dialogue with them. um, And then, you know, once we know the outcome of the local council elections, whoever ends up in there, Mm -hmm. um, you can start to sort of use those conversations to help them then put some pressure on the state government as well later on. Um, And then I think, you know, it's, probably a uh, letter-writing campaign to your local MPs about the minimum safe passing distance legislation. Um, but I think as, as time goes on, so after the council elections, I'll um, I'll be looking to put out a bit more specific sort of guidance about next steps. But I think, um, you know, we, we've got an opportunity to start putting some pressure on MPs who are maybe on the fence and I think it's probably the Labor MPs that we're going to need to target. Yep, yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, uh, we've got about three weeks to you know if you want to just um contact your local ward council or your um your candidates also again if you, um your website is melbourne commuter i think the dot, uh, it's a blogspot one <laughs> oh, blog spot? yeah, it's nothing yeah mm.
0: um sorry i can't remember it off the top of my head melbourne
1: commuter.blogspot.com okay so i'll put that into the podcast yeah. so you'll be kind of doing that as well also contact your local state uh, representative you see that also there's um, each council I think links into oh, this is all changing I should be really across this but yeah Vic Roads have um, their road safety committees as mm. well and that's something to have a look at and so going going forward just sorry if I'm using some jargon here but that's the of the process you want to see and if yeah. people want to um, stay in touch with what you're doing you can look at uh, you're also on Facebook
0: yep yeah, um, yeah so Facebook you can find me there as Melbourne Commuter um, I'm on Twitter as well just as myself
1: Janika Brooke so um, feel free to contact me okay I'm just going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a quick bit of news and events do you find mainstream feminism not relevant to your life too white too liberal
0: doesn't deal with class ever been accused of being a feminist killjoy Well, maybe your feminism is intersectional. INTERSECTIONS!
1: Coming soon to 3CR. A new program about local and global intersectional feminism in action.
0: A deeper look into how contemporary intersectional lives are lived.
1: Starting on the 2nd of October on Sunday at 5.30. INTERSECTIONS! And you're listening to Yara Bosco User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital. bit of news and events. The Lightning Furies. Uh, They are looking for people to help them out in their Possible campaign. The Lightning Furies is a new live art project that takes the form of a feminist bike gang. And it will debut at Crack Theatre Festival as part of This Is Not Art Tina in Newcastle from the 29th of September to the 2nd of October, which is real soon, folks. So get on Possible and look up Lightning Furies if you want to give them a hand. Um, it's kind of good to see other voices getting out there. I touched base upon, uh, yep, on the, um, what's happening with the West Midlands Police Force and uh, should get on to that one and actually read through what uh, their. I'll just kind of bring this up. What was the actual... Now the Guardian's decided to open something else for me. Thank you very much, the Guardian website. Also, um, I mentioned on last fortnight show that the triplets to bellevue soundtrack will be played live as part of the melbourne festival so um with the a live band and the film put um on a backdrop behind you it. so it's something to look forward to i'll put the details on also in the thing for that but there would be absolutely glorious hearing that jazz hot and all that stuff from the 1920s played live janenka Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a hell of a big topic, but I yeah. think we got through most of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could talk all day on this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's some promising stuff in this report. I just hope that we can influence the outcome so that the negative bits don't get through as well.
1: Yeah, I hate, I hate using such a cliché term, but the road to hell paved with good intentions. And That's this right. is something where... It's a fascinating interplay between, like, you know, public response, submissions, recommendations, and where do we see the legislation process at Mm. the other end and where we we can jump in and actually stop something with really bad implications Mm. of, like, you know, uh, kind of raise people's awareness and or, you know, actually extrapolate past people's prejudices into understanding the issues. of, Like, no, you can't uh, just, you know, move the car out to in an intersection to, you know, make it more convenient for a dominant type of transport. We've got to look at our transport uh, hierarchy in a very different, you know, I wouldn't quite say, no, that's not the quite, I was about to say flow state, which is completely wrong, but in terms of um, why should cars always get the same, um, the the higher priority? Yeah, that's right. And taking out a lot of these imaginary fears Mm. about, you know, cyclists this and cyclists that, which is actually not the case at all. Yeah. So, Janinka, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Chris. And that's all we've got time for this week. Up next is Dirt Radio. Uh, 3CR is uh, stays on air basically because of you, our gentle listener. So make sure that you subscribe or donate to our show and keep 3CR on all. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And uh, up next, as I said, Dirt Radio, and I'll see you in about a fortnight's time. <laughs> You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au.